going to talk about sowing for the bumper crop. Sowing for the bumper crop. <clears throat> and uh, I guess I should just start by defining what we mean when we say bumper crop. How many of you have a, a pretty good or vague understanding of what that term means? Many people use it and, you know, they uh, understand. But I think as believers, we need to understand what it means in terms of our covenant with God. It says the slang term bumper crop refers to an unusually large harvest. Although this term refers specifically to agricultural products, some people also use it more generally to talk about any unexpected windfall. As in, there's a bumper crop of students enrolling this year. Nobody expected that many to show up, but somehow it happened. As a general rule, a bumper crop is viewed as a very positive thing. The origins of the term have their roots in in the 1700s when people started to refer to extremely large swellings as bumpers. A bumper crop was a harvest which was so large that it swelled the baskets and containers used to ship things to market. The origins of bumper also explain why the swellings on automobiles are called bumpers. And that ain't because you're bumping the folks with them. <laughs> In 1908, people started using the word bump to bump off as a euphemism <laughs> for murder, and the reason for that is a bit unclear. Well, I can tell you what that is. You know, when you somebody's under that crime scene, under the, uh, what you call the coroner's body bag, they, they look like a bump in that thing. Huh? Same bump. Amen. All right. Bumper. <laughs> you know, why don't they hire me to explain that? They, you know, they never are where they need to be when they need to be. All right. So bumper crops can happen for a number of reasons. Most typically, especially favorable environmental conditions encourage crops to produce in large amount. Especially favorable conditions. So the conditions of the environment determine how much yield you will get on your seed. So in, in especially favorable environmental conditions encourage crops to produce in large amounts. Temperate weather. Lots of rain at the right time. And ample sunshine when plants are developing can also lead to bumper crops. Now this is the interesting part about it. When the Bible talks about the seed, it says it comes, it's, it comes forth we don't know how. But they can estimate that there are some things that must be present before a seed can yield a bumper crop. But how do you know when the right time is to add more sunlight? How do you know when the right time is to add more water? How do you know? See, you know by trial and error. Because if you give too much sunlight, it'll wither. So you got to back up. You know, and take some away. If you add too much water, 
the roots will rot and get waterlogged. And so if man tries to control it, in other words, it's trial and error. So bumper crop really comes supernaturally by God's design. God's the only one who knows exactly when more water will be beneficial, exactly when more sunlight will be beneficial according to the life stage that he has that seed in. Only God knows. The Bible says, man, we don't know how. Very clear about that. It says here, <clears throat> farmers can also help the process along with the use of fertilizers, compost, and other materials designed to enrich the soil, providing lots of nutrition for plants to feed on, or by planting in excess to guarantee a high yield. So then there's the principle we just talked about. If you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. If you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. So men can contribute to that bumper crop by planting in excess. So you just sow more seed if you want more crop. Often, the first year of decent yields after several years of decline is referred to as a bumper year. So then the term bumper crop is comparative. Compared to the lean years, this good year looks like a bumper crop. You know, it looks like something exceptional. And it just might be the norm for that in the rest of it. In the lean years, it was less than normal. So really, whether it's a bumper crop or not depends on your perception of it, how you perceive it. And I think that's so important for us to understand in God. That my miracle may not affect you like your miracle does, but your miracle is important to you just because God made it important. You understand what I'm saying? You put the value on the things of God in your life. You decide if it's something to shout about. You decide if it's something to lift your hand about, get excited about, and all that kind of stuff. That's your bumper crop that was sent to you, and you determine its value in your life. It says here, compared to the lean years, says often the first year of decent years after seven years, several years of decline is referred to as a bumper year, even if the yield is not particularly large when compared with historical crop years. So in other words, don't judge my miracle. Huh? You judge your own miracle. See? If I compare what God blessed you with with what he blessed me with, mine may look, yours may look meager to me or it might look large to me. So in other words, you sow in your own garden and let God speak to you when it's a big thing in your life or when it's a small. You, you understand what I'm saying? We can't judge each other's yield and each other's crop by what we like and what we value. I might be in a mood where I think everything's wonderful. And then I might be in a mood where I think it's all, you know. So it's highly personal, in other words. It's personal. Because really, when you think about it, a farmer has invested his sweat, his toil, his effort, 
all of that has been invested into his labor to produce his yield and so when that crop comes in the value of it is tied up more in that person's soul and in their their expectation so to speak than in anything else so the, the farmer who's gathering it in the one who's doing the harvest is the one who judges the value of that crop in their life see this is important because people get all twisted up trying to value one another's substance in a person's life see I may believe that I desire a certain type of blessing in my life and you may not value it at all don't try to convince yourself that my blessing is good for you and don't try to talk me out of desiring the blessing that I think is going to benefit my life you got me so this is highly personal because of the personal investment in the harvest that the person the sower has see I might think that if I if I say for instance in my marriage I invested in my husband huh? I invested time I invested love emotion concern prayers cooking washing sewing all of the above how I value that depends on how I value what I do see if you if your concept of showing love to a person includes all of those things then it is just a small thing to you but it's necessary if your concept though of love is doing just enough to not sweat yourself then it's a big thing what you sow huh am I telling the truth see what you sowing is a big thing and if you sow in the big thing you're going to expect a big crop but then on your birthday when you just go to a $15 dinner and I done done all this for sit down cut it out see it's highly personal it's highly personal that's why you can't judge somebody's you can't judge their harvest you can't judge their life you can't judge the minute you start dipping over into their vineyard their field you're in trouble already you're in trouble already because that is highly personal to them what they have developed over their lifetime in God and in the word and in relationships and in all of those things is a part of what the fruit that you see in their life now if you haven't invested that 
You have no right to judge it. Now, if you're, you're a person that has love in your heart, you rejoice with them when they rejoice. When they don't, when things are going well, you will, will identify with them and, and help that situation to go smoothly for them because of the love that you feel for that person. But you can't embrace all of who they are and all of what they experience. You can only kind of sit on the sidelines and help where you can stay back out of the way where you need to. Because your harvest is highly personal to you. You know what you've sown into that. You know what you... And and let me tell you the other thing, too. In God, you can always believe for a better harvest in your life. You just got to find out what to do to bring it in. That's all. Let's find out your part to do to make that harvest come in. And you can have the harvest that's highly personal to you. Trust what you like. Trust what you desire. Trust what you see in the word that excites you and makes you interested in serving. Trust that. And do your efforts toward making that a reality, making that a goal, making that, sowing toward that, giving in to that. And mind your own business. Stay out of your neighbor's vineyard. You understand? Just stay out of there. Because it never fails. I I see people make this mistake all of the time. That's why the Bible says, Thou shalt not covet. It says you better love God first, but then when it gets right down to how you deal with your neighbor, how you deal with your friends and your acquaintances, it says, Don't desire what your neighbor has. Why? Because if you really love God and you really worship God and you really trust God, He has something highly personal for you stored up for you that only you can sow toward, only you can receive, only you can get the benefit and the blessing of it. It's highly personal and it's yours. See, none of us can judge the other one because we haven't gotten to the end of the story yet. We haven't gotten to the end of the story. So you can sit here and watch me try to get to my, the end of my story and see what that was going to happen there, or you can go mind your own business and go sow in your find out what God has for you. See what I'm saying? Go sow into that, take care of that, and and thank God for it. Who have you ever known? to tailor make a life for you. They know you from the beginning. They know what you desire, what you like, what you enjoy, and they actually put that in you for you to enjoy your life. And then they will help you to make it a reality in your life. But the stipulation is you got to keep it personal between them and you. Your life can't be a broadcast. 
not. You understand what I'm saying? It cannot be a broadcast. The minute you start broadcasting your life, you put on display that which is highly personal between you and God. In the hopes that somebody else will desire it too. That's what most people are about. They want to get the pat on the back. They want to have the, you know, the status and all that kind of stuff. I'm a this person, I'm a that person. But the things that God has created for you, he has created for you to freely enjoy you. He didn't say you and your neighbor. He didn't say you and then people, them jealous people in the church. He's always looking at me, looking for me to fail. He didn't say all y'all supposed to. You enjoy what God has for you. He's given us all things richly to enjoy so that we can enjoy the life that he has created for us to enjoy. See, we knew there was a life already created for us that all we got to do is step into. We spent a lot less time trying to figure out what somebody else has huh and trying to see how we can get it or or the worst scenario is try to get something better than something try to top somebody that's just the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life I'm going to get something bigger and better I'm going to have something better I'm going to have something you ain't going to have nothing you're going to have a headache you're going to have a stroke you're going to have something else but you're not going to have nothing to top nobody else you know why? because what God has for you is for you if you find out what he has for you you'd be highly satisfied with it you'd be so busy trying to make sure you do what you can do to please God so it can come into your life and you can enjoy it without sorrow it says here bumper crops generate profit for farmers God wants to generate a profit in our lives because usually locked in contract prices for their crops long before their crops actually grow so say for instance if crop yields have been minimal that increases the price on this year's yield last year of corn we only produced you know 10 tons of corn say for instance or 10,000 bushels that'll drive the contract price up so so this is already sold already so when it comes in we we negotiate a higher price because last year there was so little of it price went up because there was so little so now God puts you into a bumper crop and you get to sell it at the price because there's a multitude of it you get to sell it at a price that was set when there was very little of it when it was scarce and so you can receive a big windfall that way so to speak because nobody was expecting this much to have manifest nobody was expecting it to come forth on this level and now you already got a contract for the value of it in other words because there's so little of it around what there is of it is highly valuable how about righteous people how about the word of God how about people who will go forth and pray for people pray for the sick bring them to church all that kind of stuff because there's so little of it in the earth it's highly valuable 
kai value. I had somebody come into our meeting Sunday service last Sunday, and <clears throat> that person needed needed prayer. They they were having some physical symptoms and perplexed and confused about them. And well, I've been watching on, on your website. And this is interesting. People just scour the internet looking for God. I'm thankful that people know when they found him. Because there's so many people that are on there that don't know. They they tap into something else and think they've got God, you know. Here's a person, no doubt, with sincerity in her heart, she's got a need. And so she was talking to me, and she was saying, she said, well, I've been to your conferences before, but I never came to a weekly meeting but I need prayer because I you know she named her physical symptoms and she wanted you know help for that and she kept saying well I keep looking for people and I saw on your website what you do mm-hmm. she said and it's word for word exactly what I see in the Bible that we're supposed to do and she said and I don't know how to believe this because I keep thinking nobody does this anymore and she said I'm wondering if I can really trust that God has put me in the right place because here's somebody saying they do all this stuff and I've been looking for someone now see this is the sad part because the reality of life is that nobody can find what they are looking for because there's so much nonsense out there and see people find what they're looking for and they let the devil steal the reality of it away sometimes because of their unbelief that you know what this stuff doesn't exist anymore and people don't pray for the sick and get results and they don't get this you understand what I'm saying and so people can because of the rarity and the scarcity of it it is of high value the enemy though will tell you that because of numbers, because people leave, because of this and because of that, there's something wrong with us. Or there's something wrong with God. Or there's something wrong with Pastor. Or there's something wrong with our needs. There's something wrong here because we don't have the numbers. That's why you got to know God yourself, folks. you got to do it yourself. Because the church has, has been in this position before. The church is always in this position where they'll start off with revelation, they start off with understanding, they have a bunch of people flock into it, a bunch of people feed off of it, and at the end of the day we walk away and there's very little fruit to show that God is really raising up believers who can go up to anybody and pray for them and they get healed. See, it's so rare and so unbelievable that people don't think it happens. I tell people all the time when they come to these meetings, I said, I said, these kids could pray for you if you were sick and God would heal you. And they look at me and just keep talking. It doesn't faze them whatsoever because they're convinced it doesn't exist anywhere. That ordinary believers... People go to work every day and come home every day. God would actually anoint with power to pray for a sick person and that person recover. Please don't believe that. 
or that we have authority really to cast devils out of people. And we don't have to go around demonstrating nothing to anybody. Devils will come up to you on their own accord. Because the world is full of them. Huh? High value because of the scarcity. See, the yield that comes in looks like a, a bumper yield because of the high value of it because of how scarce it is. Huh? Many times in our meetings, especially the conferences, people will say, well, I had such a good time here. And you know, but they expect it to go away. So they expect to dive into it for a season and dive out of it because that's been their history and that's been their life. They don't understand that you can walk in the power and the presence of God on a continual basis because God has promised that to us. And if he's promised it to us, he must have a people who are committed to do that. Or else he couldn't keep a promise. If he couldn't depend on people who would stay faithful to the message and faithful to the teaching and faithful to empower believers and and faithful to expect believers to walk in power, you understand what I'm saying? If nothing else, walk in power in your own life over the power of the devil. Huh? Don't compromise with the devil. Don't play with him. Don't let him get a a foothold in your life. Start on that level and then increase and add more to it. Show me where any of the 30,000 member churches have believers that They'll go out and mop floors, which is good. They'll take food to sick people. They'll go on missionary trips out of the country. Build churches. Do all kinds of things. But as far as them going up to a family member and praying for them on a sick bed, you don't see it. You don't see it. So you don't see it. And so the people who believe in it and the people who own it have to own it big. You got me? You got to own it big. You got to own it to the degree that you want to see it increase. You got to own it to the degree that you don't want to let go of it. You got to own it to the degree that you don't compromise on it. No compromise. Amen. People can do the word. People can believe the word. It's a personal choice. You either believe what God says or you believe something else. It's very simple. But see, if, if we're not held to it, if we're not held to the demonstration of it, if we're not held to the production of it and the belief of it in actual walking it out, then it's just idle words. It's got to be proven. It's got to be proven. Chuck, if you tell me that you're going to stand on the word this time, it's your personal decision. You could go to the doctor, but what do you expect from them? Chuck, you don't have to answer me. <laughs> we're, we're, we're hypnotizing each other. You see what I'm saying? It's your decision what you want to do. But your decision is based on something. It's based on your expectation. 
of what medicine can do for you and your expectation of what God can do for you. Who do you expect to do more? Now most people will say God and run to the doctor. Because God is the right answer. But if you really don't expect that, don't say that. You understand what I'm saying? Just go it's your decision. But see, at some point, you're going to lose confidence over there. Because see, the more God does for you, the more you stay in the Word, the more you work for God, you can't observe these things happening everywhere and not desire them for yourself. So there's the conditions being right for a bumper crop in your life because you've exposed yourself to the atmosphere where God dominates and man is real small you got me so you control the atmosphere of your spirit to a large degree you submerge yourself in activities conversations relationships with people where God is large and man is small and where God will remain large get your bumper crop see the day will come when when, uh, somebody that you know and you love is going to need a miracle and it depends on how big God is in you whether that crop will come to you and that miracle will come to you. And you know what? When God means a lot to you, you'll step out in boldness and confidence and won't think twice about it. People keep you from getting that harvest because they'll say to you, well, you can't really tell. How do you know God's going to do that? Why are you giving them false hope? Why are you telling somebody? Why are you letting them believe that? Huh? Because it's true. Okay? Because it's true. And by the time they get on their deathbed and everybody's written them off, the only thing that's going to help them is truth and a miracle anyway. So they got nothing to lose by believing God. And so then that opportunity to transfer that atmosphere that you dwell in that makes God real big to you, then you're able to transfer that to somebody else. That's how miracles happen. All you're doing is taking what you have confidence in. Isn't that what... what Another opinion is it's just a vote of confidence for something else. Oh, really? That's what you want to do? I want a second opinion. But they're all still in the same realm of natural cures. And here you come in with the last opinion that God will give you a miracle. And I know how you can get it. Very important. So you can say God, and this is what this is what this is what what keeps a crop non-existent to small or bumper crop where a person can get up and walk off a deathbed and live. This is the difference because you have confidence in God, and you tell Him, "I know how you can do it. I know how it happens." See, that's what separates the mere talkers. Oh, the devil is a lie. Well, we know that, but how can you get God's truth in people so they can get the benefit of it and get up off the deathbed? Do you understand me? 
And so if you can tell people, God lives near you and I know how you can do it. Amen. That settles every concern, every question, every everything. And so you have created an atmosphere around that individual that will allow that bumper crop to come for them. Whereas they might have been just languishing in a hospice hoping for a pain-free day or hoping the pain medicine works. They can expect now that every time they listen to the word of God, they get stronger. Maybe that arm was, was full of pain and now that pain is gone. Maybe you couldn't raise it up because you were weak and now it's way up there. Maybe that toe wouldn't move that much, but now it's moving again. And every time I move it, I can move it more. It never happens like that with medicine. Medicine will take from you before it gives to you. Well, look at the list of side effects. What you're saying is I'm willing to take that in order to on a chance it might help me see I'm willing to put up with that in hopes that it will help me at some point so you have to take the curse with the blessing with God you don't have to do that it's blessing, blessing, blessing all the way down the line who wouldn't want who wouldn't want supernatural healing from God who wouldn't want it well I'll tell you who wouldn't want it people who are always looking at somebody else's hardest always looking at somebody else's hardest see what God has planned for you is not good enough for you how come I can't get up and walk like they do at Benny Hinn well you can Anytime you want to. You can be healed at any time. Huh? You can do all of that. Well, you know, most people want it without submitting themselves to the word. They want to just get up and do it. And if it doesn't happen like they think it's supposed to happen, they don't want any parts of it. You have to be involved in the seed that's being sown in your heart. That seed is a part of you. It's not a part from you. It's a part of you. When healing comes into your body, it grows up from a seed on the inside of you and manifests in that the goodness of God chases disease out of your body. You've got a tree of health growing up on the inside of you, and it just happens that it's gotten so big it's overgrown the stupid symptoms that used to hang out in your body. That's how it happens. When we give simple instruction, if you listen to this until you are healed, most people don't. Right. Amen. They're listening to something else. Yes. Right. Well, see, I was I was watching so and so and such as I just said, oh boy, somebody didn't hear the simple instruction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. instruction is Amen. take it until you heal. Yeah. A doctor will never tell you that because he can guarantee that it's going to help you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, a bumper crop in many ways is too good to be true. You can understand how it landed on your doorstep. But all you know is you fell in love with God and he said, do this until this happened and you did it and it happened. And it's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. 
But see, we don't like to know. See, what happens is this. Mm-hmm. Well, it couldn't be that simple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's something else she was telling somebody. Right. Well, if, it, it, if, it's, if it's that simple, how come she don't have? Right, right. Well, you don't know what I got. Huh? My harvest is just as personal to me as your harvest is personal to you. Dig yourself. That's what the word of God says. You dig yourself. Absolutely. See, you got enough to contend with tending your own little. Mary, Mary, quite contrary. How does your little garden grow? Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> See, we know how it happens. That's how we know when it doesn't happen, we know what you did or didn't do. You didn't follow the instruction. You went to a doctor, and you said, Well, doctor, I don't know. I still ain't feeling no better. The first thing he'll ask you is what? Did you take it like I did you? Huh? But see, if we ask the saints that, we mean. Right. See, we ain't right. I knew she was going to say that. See, I knew it. She don't never have nothing. No, I'm not going to say the same thing. It's the truth. It's God's word. Amen. It's true for me just like it's true for you. If I don't put enough of the word in, I won't get mine either just like you won't get yours. God is no respecter of persons. See, what he does for one, he'll do for the other one. I was listening to somebody sharing a testimony about somebody that was healed. And they said that this young man, these people had had a a, uh, healing ministry there at their church. And one of the younger like associate pastor and the older pastor were working on something and this was shortly after this ministry had visited they were working on something in a large beam or something like that it was something really really heavy fell down and the pastor was underneath it and was crushing a lot of pain the younger pastor started to Tell him to get up in Jesus' name. And he kept screaming in pain. This went on for over two hours. Now, most people will say, well, how come he didn't call 911? Well, at the end of two hours, the man got up totally healed. See, this isn't something that you guess. See, this is the bumper crop. It's not something you guess at. It's something that's inside you. It's sown and it's a part of you. And when it begins to manifest on the outside, you are connected to it and you know that God will deliver. Before you get involved in any of this, you've got to have a sense in you that God will deliver. Or you just torturing some poor old man. The person that shared the testimony said that they seldom ever told anybody. Now, this is how the devil steals. Because if God says something or does something, he knows how to release it, when to release it, so that it will do good 
to people that are following the right. But we, we just really kind of got a little afraid that people would start trying. If you tried it, why on earth would it not work for somebody else? Yeah. Most people are going to try it. See, there's some people it could work for, but everybody's scared to be put in that position. Everybody, nobody goes out and creates situations of high danger for people so they can practice and see if God's really gonna. You don't do stuff like that. But think what it would do for that church if that person that came and sowed that seed knew that it was capable of producing that kind of crop so quickly in somebody who was a part of that ministry there. So that would take that that seed to places it could never get into before. You understand what I'm saying? we got to be faithful over the seed that's sown too. Praise God. So bumper crop will come Oftentimes, because there's been such a uh, a famine of goodness in the earth, such a famine, such small amount, such small quantity of it, that whatever comes through is precious. You understand what I'm saying? It's, the Bible speaks of that. It talks about different times in the uh, different times in Israel's history where the word of God was precious because there was no open vision. It wasn't just available to people. So whatever came was a bumper crop because it was it so satisfied the need that was there in the hearts of people that it looked like a great miracle when it was because if you're standing on the receiving end of a miracle and you have a need that miracle is what it is to you it can't be judged by anybody else who's looking from afar it it got deposited personally in your life and so it is what it is to you based on your relationship to the seed that's sown. So let's talk about the seed a little bit. <clears throat> Let me see here. Oh, okay, I'll finish what I talked about here. I just got another little paragraph. It says, if crop yields have been minimal in prior years, farmers may be able to secure a very high price for their crops, thus reaping a windfall when the bumper crop comes in, although conversely, prices may be lower in the following year due to the glut. So if there is a lot of something around, it gets to be kind of commonplace and it's not as valuable to people. Sometimes people can be in an atmosphere where God heals people continually all the time and it gets to be like old hat to them. This happens a lot with people. I know people from Rhema. Mm-hmm. Who need to be go out to need to go out with a healing ministry because they were in healing school for three years straight and sat under this one and said, but they seldom will lay hands on anybody because it was so common for them they think there's nothing to it anymore. But it, it was made familiar to you so that you could get mastery over that seed and you can take that seed out to where there's need. See, I'm convinced that many very a lot of ministers and ministries that haven't done what they're supposed to do because they follow such a familiar pattern of ministry. They follow what they see everybody else out there doing and they try to be successful at that. But they have within them miracle seed. They have within, and many times too, people get 
convinced not to do things because they can't handle the persecution that goes with it. So whenever you move in the power of God, the devil hates it. He's going to talk about you. He's going to call you names. He's going to do all kinds of things. But if you keep moving in that power, that power will convince all the naysayers that you serve God of a truth and they won't be able to say anything after a while. But you've got to go through the persecution and fight your way through that, proving to God that you value what he's putting you more than you. Amen. are afraid of the criticisms of men. Amen. There's a proving there that has to be done. Amen. So that bumper crop, sometimes when a crop is familiar and there's lots of it, it can lose its value in the eyes of people. It can lose its value. You see that with, with preachers in preachers' kids. Very often it's so common to, for the parents to pray or somebody to pray that they don't think they have to pray themselves. Mm-hmm. They don't have a relationship with God. That's why the Bible sets a standard. Your children are supposed to have more glory in their lives than you have. In all areas. You got me? In all areas. So some crops are actually notorious for generating a bumper crop. That's your, that's your uh, go-to crop. That's your insurance crop. That's when everything else fails, you know you can do that. Right? Like sometimes if, if we have a healing line, if I, I said, well, I know if somebody comes up here in pain, it's got to go in Jesus' name. Because that's something God gave me, and I know, you, know, you understand, it's not... It's not like a fallback ministry or a, a less than ministry. Because pain is pain. When you hurt, you want it off of you. So your pain is personal to you just like somebody else's is to them. And if somebody can help you get alleviated from it, then that's your miracle. You understand what I'm saying? So, so there are some things that God gifts us with that are just there in our lives. You understand what I'm saying? You, that's your go-to gig, you know, that you, it works for you if, if nothing else does. You see what I'm saying? And God will, will put an assurance in you and an insurance in you that that deposit is there because you can pull it up and it works. You can pull it up and it works. They give the example zucchini. So what's your zucchini? Anybody ever had a neighbor that left something? They got a they got a garden and they left you a present. How many of you got zucchini when somebody just drove and left you? See, you understand what I'm saying? We all get the zucchini because that's like the the always there crop, and so it's a bumper crop in itself, but it's not necessarily a miracle and a blessing. You know, because what you gonna do with it? You sit there and stare at it, and it stares back at you, and you think, well, what could I do with that? Well, it really don't taste that good, and you understand what I'm saying? But it's there. And it's better than nothing. Yeah? And so there is a place where God will deposit something in all of our lives that's our zucchini. You got me? There is something that you can do in God's kingdom that works all the time to bring in a harvest for you or somebody in your life. People who understand sowing and reaping know that when they're down and out mm-hmm. in Cleveland or Detroit or Toledo or Beverly Hills or wherever you're at, you know how to get out of the mess that you're in 
because you know this has worked for you over and over again. Now, in real life, we all need to do whatever that is consistently. You need to make it incorporate, make it a habit, so you don't get down and out. But you know and I know when you get down and out, you can get on your knees and scream and holler and not eat nothing for a day or two until heaven breaks open. You know, that's your zucchini. You know, you work with it. Some of you you know that if you take something that's hard for you to part with out of your closet and give it to somebody that you really kind of lukewarm on, that in itself shocks the devil. And he ain't let go of most of what he got because he's just scared of you and got smart all of a sudden. See? So you got to know what your zucchini is. What's your go-to that you know works for you to bring a blessing and a harvest into your life when you really need one? Now, if you don't know what it is, ask God what it is. Ask Him to show you in your own life and your behavior what it is that you do that works for you every single time that brings God's favor back around into your life, that brings the finances back to you, that opens a door for you, that gets you into the place where you need to be. Some people do it unconsciously and don't pay attention. That's why, you know, I jack people up. Anybody's ever lived with me knows that if you get a blessing, you ain't had nothing. I'm take you to the mat and make you understand how you got it. For your good. Because I don't want to see you be without and I don't want to see you ignorant of God's laws and how they work. I want to see you have a successful life and how to keep this going in your life on a continual basis. Other than that, it's almost like magic to you or superstition. You know, it's not going to make much sense to you if you can't put it all together. But I'll ask people, I said, well, you were sitting here without a job a couple of days ago, and then all of a sudden this opened to you. What do you know that you did differently that caused this to happen? If you don't know, you need to ask God. Because it is very important to identify what your zucchini is. Y'all hear me? I quit sitting up there looking like like a calf at a new gate. You know, come on now. Well, see, y'all scared to even ask him. Because you're scared you ain't got none. Cut it out. He gives everybody something. Everybody's got a gift. Everybody's got a talent. Everybody's got a grace. Everybody's got an ability. Everybody's got something that's easy for them to believe God in. Some of you know that if you if you put something before God before too long, He's worked the problem out for you. That's your zucchini. You can depend on it to show up in your life because you know to do these things. Some people just will will focus on that and fast and get in the word and study. And before long, God's given them a revelation for how to break through on that thing and get out of it. That's your zucchini. You got me? It's a method and an understanding. It's a pathway, a familiar pathway that you have walked before that you know it's it's a continual blessing. It's a prophet's reward. You understand what I'm saying? It's that kind of thing that God has deposited in your life. If you go back 
there and do that same thing over again, he will do the same thing. And he does it because he wants you to build a habit and a lifestyle around expecting a bumper crop from him. He really, really does. He wants his his faithful people to quit acting like orphans. And quit acting like maybe people. And quit acting like outsiders. You know, the world does that to our minds. You know, now that, that it's, it's wrong for us to criticize certain lifestyles, we're insecure about everything all of a sudden. That stuff gets in you, gets on you. Pretty soon you're, you're wishy-washy about God. You're wishy about about your standing. You don't know how you get stuff. You don't know if you're going to get stuff. You know, well, I guess I'll just take my paycheck and spend it on nothing. Rather than be faithful to his principles and faithful to his laws and faithful to his ways because he's a faithful God. Zucchini will produce prodigiously, that means very, very a lot, with little encouragement. What did I say? What did I do? It produces prodigiously. It's the same root from prodigal. You know, prodigal really means wasteful or generous. That's what that boy was. He was he was a pushover, in other words. You know, some girl in half a dress kind of baby Jimmy said, That's him, okay? He's wasteful. Prodigiously, with little encouragement. In other words, you don't even have to treat zucchini right. Then it'll work for you. All right. In small towns where temperate, temperate climates, where zucchini thrives, residents are often inundated with zucchini plants from their neighbors, zucchini drive-bys to get rid of my wanted zucchini. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so what's your zucchini? What is that that God has shown you you can always do with very little effort that works for you? But some people is crying out to God. Huh? For some people it's not thinking about anything else until that comes in. Getting on, getting, you know that thing? Being like a, a dog pointing at something. They get the bead on it and zero in for the kill and stay focused on it until they get it. That's part of it. Faith is desire. And attentiveness. Amen. Not worry. Attentiveness in God. Worry is like trying to zoom in on something and carrying an armload of baggage. You know, you can't focus on something if you got this distracting you and this you got to hold up and this is too heavy. And that, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So attentiveness, I would say, in the fruit of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. See? You're joyful about it. You're peaceful about it. You know it's coming. There's a good expectation. Yeah. And God has put you over in that spiritual atmosphere. 
where you know it can happen at any time. See? That's your zucchini. And you quit trying to do it on your own. You quit trying to had this and had that. And see, once you get your focus on God, everything else that you think is so important looks stupid to you. See, that's how you know you've tapped into God. Huh? Because the I wants look stupid. The I gotta haves look stupid. The when is my turn gonna come look stupid. All that stuff looks stupid to you. Because you now you've got your full attention and your focus on him that's in important see the one that's important that's the way it is and so once your attention your attentiveness is focused totally on God then you can go after you know your zucchini will produce for you you get your zucchini but you also want the bumper crop that's been a little difficult to harvest for you got me the one that comes in because it's rare the one that comes in because it's something that's a deep desire for you yeah so you want that too so I'm going to talk to you a little bit how much time do we have Miss Juana huh okay turn to Genesis 13 we're going to follow the seed and understand what God says about the seed I'm sorry Genesis 13 in the book of Genesis at the beginning God said that he put seed within each plant that reproduces after its own kind everything he he created he gave the ability for increase in certain conditions he wants everything to increase Genesis 13 and verse 15 and this is a promise he made to Abram he says for all the land which you see to thee will I give it unto thy seed forever a seed never leaves your life it never leaves your life well you parents I mean come on now some of you got teenage and grown kids where did they go they ain't going nowhere if they ain't in your house they right across town somewhere some of them got enough nerve to move next door I mean come on the seed never leaves your life (laughs) amen even though it can live on its own it's an independent plant it you know can draw its own nourishment and all that but you still have a relationship to that seed that seed never leaves your life so God gives him that land as a seed and gives it to his seed and that seed of the land never leaves the life of him or any of his descendants. Always belongs to him. And that's the same thing about your life. Whatever God deposits in you never leaves your life. He has eternal life in you. He has the life of Christ in you. He never leaves you and he never forsakes you. In other words, even if you treat him bad and you act like he's not there, you got me he will never forsake you if you turn to him he will turn to you again you got me because he knows what we do you know he's got some some A students he got some C students and he got some that's off the teacher 
field speaks to all of them. So a seed never leaves your life. You and your children and your possessions are locked in together forever. You have a relationship of ownership to the seed. As for your 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 physical seed, your offspring, you will always have the relationship of being their parent. And they will always be your child. I know. Everybody's waiting till they get X age and get out the house, but that's what happened already and they're still there. So let us move on to reality, okay? Words are seeds that never leave your life. Why? Because they bear fruit in your life. Your words bear fruit in your life after their own kind and they will remain in your life. There's no such thing as God used to have me do this and used to have me do that and I don't do it anymore. It's dormant and that's possible that it might be that God hasn't called it up for use recently like he used to but you can see some, some smatterings of it somewhere in your life that seed never leaves your life you understand me at one point we, we in this ministry we produced music you know and, and we created music wrote songs did our own now that's gone to a level but we still have prophetic songs you understand so it's there it's not there manifesting the way it used to but that seed never leaves you got me never leaves the ministry I used to do more personal prophecy than I do now but the gift of prophecy is still there it just manifests in a different way you see I don't I don't have to zero in and and follow people around and look weird at them and like the closer you know what I'm saying it's so funny I was at a place recently and there were some young young prophets their prophetesses and the one girl sat across from me and I knew she was giving me the eyeball you know she just kept staring and she would eat a little bit and she'd stare some more you know try to get a read so I said well God sure what she needs to know so she can go back to eating for crying out loud disturbing my she all disturbing my chicken wings and barbecue sauce and stuff come on now it don't take you that long to get this anyway <laughs> alright so words bear also they bear fruit that remain in your life that's the most important thing about words so choose your words according to what you desire don't let your words manifest and express something you don't want now that's just common sense you know I, it, 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 it's true I mean you prove that to yourself all the time like when I first got you know close to 60 I started calling my bladder a sieve and all that <laughs> y'all know the story I get tempted a little bit I recently saw a commercial where this lady's bladder was walking her around and I said oh that's no I said no I won't do that but Rachel made me stop she got more sense than I do about my my business but you know what I'm saying 
small things like that, seeds of insecurity, seeds of, <clears throat> I haven't been this old before kind of stuff, yeah. Yeah. manifest. <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> it's not nice. We'll keep, we'll just keep going on here. All right. So, and our actions are seeds. Your actions are more seed than anything else, I believe. Because actions are based on decisions that you've made to do or not do certain things. Actions also bring the material world into your life. Actions are important because they become habits. And you want your habits to be based on obedience to God. If you cultivate any habits, make it a habit of blessing somebody. Make it a habit of speaking well and thinking well about somebody. Make that a habit and make something else the exception. The Bible says to be excellent at what is good and be innocent of evil. See? Make the evil things very small and, 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 and cultivate being excellent in what's good. Amen. Genesis, let me think. 21.13, we'll just go in order. It just makes it easier for me. 21.13, I want to show you something else about the seed. <coughs> Your seed, because it is your seed, will have the same relationship to you and to others and to your covenant with God that you have. Whether God is involved in the release of that seed or not. Your seed still has your characteristics, it still has your abilities, it still has your outcome and even your blessing. In verse 12, God said to Abraham, Let it not be grievous in your sight because of the land. Talking about Ishmael and because of the bondwoman. And all that Sarah has said to you, hearken, not, or hearken to her voice. In other words, Sarah is telling him to cast the bondwoman out of the house. For in Isaac shall your seed be called. Your seed shall be called. In covenant relationship, when all the the standards of God are met, there is a calling there. But the, the other seed in your life will be taken care of to a degree. Verse 13, also the son of the bondwoman will I make a nation because he is your seed. In other words, God says, I have something for all of your offspring. I have a purpose for it. The ones I call, I have something specific for them. The ones I don't call, I still have something for them. They are not left out. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, for instance, (coughs) Donald Trump had a, a first marriage Two women had three children. Because of the covenant of marriage that he had with their mother, having a till death, you only are supposed to have one of them. Unless you can die and raise yourself back up again. 
so those are called children got me they are called because God called them forth through the marriage he has a level of inheritance for them because they are called they had time with the father they had training with the father they had relationship with the father everything that they had to the, with the father is bearing fruit in their life that remains period nobody can take that away from them if that man died tomorrow and they had to find all the heirs they would have to go by laws of inheritance of states etc etc and they will find that if there is a legal marriage that has more weight than anything else if there's a marriage and divorce that ain't too cool you understand what I'm saying and it goes down the line from that so all of these laws follow the mind of God as far as the inheritance is concerned now does that mean that somebody else that's his seed gets left out of course not but the ones who have relationship with the father are able to get the lion's share Ishmael had the same strength of seed in him that his father had so God said I'll make him a great nation too but look at the seed of Ishmael you see they're a lawless seed because there was a lawless factor sown into them when they were conceived you understand me even though it was before the law but God made the promise to him in his condition the way he was when he found them and that was married to Sarah you got me that holds as far as God is concerned legality holds as far as God is concerned because Ishmael is Abraham's seed he is allowed to live he is allowed to produce seed like the sands of the seashore great in number but they are lawless and they are wild they don't have a peaceful covenant with God where they have a peaceful inheritance in God they have to fight for everything they get you ever see people that just can't settle down and just accept God's goodness and accept God will make a place for them and accept that they're just as quote unquote good as the other person that they're just as loved as the other person they've always got this chip on their shoulder and it's nothing can get they can't get into anything because they carry that big hunch on their backs outcast reject not wanted they just can't let that go and find peace in God so that they can have that relationship with God and so many times even though they are born again blood bought spirit filled if they don't recognize that identity and let go of that other thing it will be a continual hindrance between them and God almost like a little orphan thing little bastard spirit you know I gotta fight my way they have to fight for everything it's always them against somebody and there's never peace like they have an inheritance you got me and so that's what makes the difference between your seed being planted in God's kingdom 
where you know you have an inheritance you know you're accepted in the beloved you know you don't have to fight your way into anything and force your way into anything got me? Ishmael's seed could have that if they would receive Christ Abraham's seed could too but you see Abraham's seed has a, a flow of blessing that comes through inheritance even though they're both in the flesh now nobody's really born again you don't see many Jews just up and convert nor do you see many Muslims either they're both on the outside of the new covenant but guess who don't fight for everything they negotiate I can get it for you wholesale got me and guess who has to put people to death because they don't believe like they believe you got me so until you come into relationship with Christ where it's all good that's all settled we dealt with that already got me if you've been an outsider all of your life never felt like you measured up never felt like you had anything going for you never felt like you it's, it's all good now because you're a new creature in Christ and you have an inheritance you don't have to wish you had anything if I could get that out of the minds of Christians man we could go somewhere if we could quit sitting on the outside of somebody else's window wishing we could be inside where their stuff is and look up to heaven and find out what your inheritance is and start drawing that down from heaven your relationship starts horizontal not vertical it's not in the eyes of what your neighbor has it's not in your neighbor's house it's not in your neighbor's garage but it starts here and keep looking up I don't care how much stuff your neighbor has it's never going to be yours you keep looking up and you understand that you have a heavenly father and pretty soon you'll start to love him and you know his love for you and believe it or not that will be enough see yeah, and then you can care what the neighbors got That's right. and you can get yourself off the make a wish foundation list that's for the dying folks it's not for the living I mean nobody gets make a wish everybody got to be doing what they feel they got to do but that ain't you that ain't for you that stuff is for the dead and the dying so they can have one last good feel before they die that is not you you're among the living why are you seeking life over there with the dead the dead wish they had something else the living have everything you know it and what you don't have you're glad not to have it you gotta take care of stuff I ain't gonna say that you know what I'm talking about I want a husband no you don't because if you did you'd have one everybody everybody who wants somebody can have somebody Uh you don't want no husband because you don't want to be a wife I can tell because the minute I say something about loving somebody and giving everybody (laughs) 
Coughing up full balls and all this. I can't stand it. I can't take it. Huh? <laughs> That's a truth. <laughs> Let me get back to my, to my stuff here. How much time is one? Ten minutes, eight minutes? Oh, I'm down to the wire. Genesis 28:14. We'll do that one. And your seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west, to the east, to the north, and the south. In other words, any place you go, you're blessed. Any place your kids go, they're blessed. They don't have to have a certain kind of something in order to get the blessing. You understand? I see parents that don't have money for college send the kid to the try to get the kid in the most expensive school because they see that means something. You got me? God can make your your kid the valedictorian or, or the, the summa cum or magna cum or whoever who want a kuma kuma kuma. He can make them cool any kind as high as he want them to in in a not so nice university. And they can go as far as God ever wants them to go. They can do as much as God ever wants them to do. You know, your kid can go there without education. If they can believe God for it, you couldn't afford any. I mean, seriously, though? Like right now, there are people that are finally speaking up in academia. And they are doing studies and wondering where the jobs are going to come for all of the college graduates. And especially jobs that are going to pay them enough money to pay back all these loans that they have. You know, ever since kids in this ministry were like 12 and 13 getting junior high school, I put on the finance prayer. Pray that the children will have education and not have debt going into. Because it's going to be not worth it after a while, folks. I mean, it's almost not worth it. I mean, everything comes to an end, so to speak. When I was growing up, education was everything because we didn't have opportunities for it very much. Now that there are opportunities out there, it's pretty much almost, you know, zucchini. Everybody's got some and trying to get rid of it. So covenant seed multiplies with great increase. And we put Genesis 13, I mean, uh, 28, 13. <coughs> 14. Your seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and you shall spread it abroad, north, south, east, west, and in, in your seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. You are a blessing no matter where you go. You don't have to be in a special place to be blessed and be a blessing. You are the blessing. So wherever you go, you take it with you. Sometimes God will take you to places you don't want to be, and you've got to stay there for you don't want to be there that long. Because he needs somebody there that he has blessed. So you can just function and be a blessing. Genesis 32, 12. And thou said, I will surely do thee good. 
and make your seed as the sand of the sea that cannot be numbered for multitude. God's goodness, part of God's goodness is to increase us. When he says, I will do you good and multiply you, part of his goodness to us is increase. He will increase the fruits of our righteousness. Anything you do under his spirit and according to his word, he wants to increase that. And it's a good thing. He will do you good through the increase. Your increase is never a bad thing. You need to see it as something good and allow God to turn it around for good if it doesn't seem to be working out for the good in your life. Anytime he puts something in your life, it is to do you good and to make good on what on his promises to you. Two things God forbids, Leviticus 19, is to sow mingled seed. He doesn't want you doing good and bad at the same time. Or good one day and bad the next. And isn't that somehow, sometimes how we try to live? We don't have enough confidence in doing good. We don't have enough confidence in sowing seeds. So we withhold it. Huh? People say little stupid things like, well, they think I'm weak because I don't say nothing every time they... You understand what I'm saying. You could go off on somebody, but... Huh? See, that's not even... That's not even coming out of God's spirit. That's a wrong spirit anyway. And so to to evaluate yourself as somebody that if you restrain yourself and if you don't pounce on people, somehow they think less of you is wrong. So it's wrong. The devil puts that idea in people's mind. I remember, you know, old people in the church, don't take my kindness for, for weakness, you know, and all this kind of stuff. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? You walk with God all these years and you're still afraid of showing kindness, self-control and restraint to people. Because you're afraid they're going to think something about you you don't want them to think. Well, quit thinking it about yourself, number one. Dig yourself, because your your head is where the idea came from. People don't think anything about you. If you pass up cussing me out this time, I think I'm a blessed person. I'm glad she didn't go off on me this time. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, come on, count it all joy. But don't get angry at yourself for obeying God and being a meek person instead of. It paid off for Moses. Huh? It paid off for Moses. God said about Moses, he was the meekest man on the face of the earth. That's why he chose him. Because when he put things to Moses, Moses gave the proper response. He kept the door open for God to show him more. And correct his fears. And help him to obey God. That's meekness. So much so that when his older sister tried to lord it all over him, God struck her with leprosy, put her outside the camp. And what did Moses, he prayed for her. 
He never said, I don't want her to take my kindness for weakness. You understand what I'm saying? You obey God. And you do it with joy. So much so Moses did this that the Bible says he was 120 years old. He wasn't blind. His, his vision wasn't blurred. He walked up that mountain and never came back down. It wasn't because he wasn't strong enough to get back down. The Bible says his natural strength was not diminished in any way. So he hiked up them mountains to see God and hiked down them mountains to see God. One day he got up there and saw God. He said, you know what? It's a long way down that mountain again. I don't think I'm, you know, I don't think I'm going back. Man and God decided he'd stay. Got me. So this business of of despising the fruit of the spirit's got to stop. If we're going to get the maximum out of our seed, if we're going to expect increase in the bumper crop, we've got to love abiding in the fruit of God's spirit. We've got to uh, love abiding in joy where there's nothing to be joyful about. Huh? We got to love that. Huh? You you gotta like being able to laugh at yourself sometime and not take yourself so seriously. You know, you know. I see people spend hundreds of dollars every day to sign up to go and take care of a tent they live in that's perishing every day. Amen. Now, not that there's anything wrong with it. I would love to be able to go consistently and get in some of them little clothes I still got in the back of my closet I don't tell y'all about. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Yes. But the thing of it is, let's be real here, folks. Yes. We're focusing so much time and effort on something that's perishing. Yes. And the things that we need to go after that are eternal yes. stay on the back burner. Yes. Amen. Well, that's the truth. It's the truth. We get so involved in the externals, the internals mean very little to us. Very little to us. I have a, a vision that people can live in a more excellent level than they now live. For myself and everybody. Why? Because we haven't tapped into the maximum that God has for us. So we can all, we're all on the road to improving. Conforming more to the image of Christ. Being able to be more peaceful in more situations. Getting rid of all the baggage and the nonsense that we carry around with us. That causes us to with one another. You got me? It's true. And so if that's true, if that vision's there in the heart of every one of us, then that should be our focus. See, that should be our focus. Our focus, I mean, and I'm not saying, you know, come in here looking like rats or nothing like that. But we're a long way from that. See, we're a long way from that. But we're even farther away sometimes from the excellence that God has prepared for us to dwell in on the inward man. See, there's a richness, a rich deposit in that seed. You know, that's really where your bumper crop is. It's on the inside of you. And if you're smart in God, you'll know when and how and how much to draw out at different intervals so that it can surround your natural life with the comforts that you seek and you desire. You do these things in wisdom. 
You do it in understanding. You do it in a way where it's not offensive and ostentatious to people where it it turns them off from the things of God. But you consider, you know, your brother who may be struggling with something. You don't try to lord it all over them, so to speak, because of your great faith and your Mm -hmm. this and your that, you know. What you possess, it is what it is. God, though, in his mercy toward us will cause us to view things the way he views them God's not nearly as excited about your neighbor's goods as you are just saying he's not nearly as excited about going to the gym and dropping 30 pounds as you are I know because he lives in me and he don't bug me a lot about it you understand I bug him I bug him more than he bugs me and he knows that when we're really ready to deal with deal other than that it's just a lot of talk you know it's just conversation to get in with everybody else that's talking about the you know what I'm saying I have to add something to the conversation but we'll find deep within us what really God is after and he's after fellowship he's after companionship and he's after us feeling good about him feeling good about us and leave the dumb stuff out of it you got me just leave everything else out of it and learn how to live off of that bumper crop that's on the inside of you draw from that make that as big as you can make it because he definitely is a God of increase once you master spiritual things you can get natural things Mm-hmm. doesn't matter doesn't matter what you possess it really doesn't you just know that you know that you know that you're taken care of you know that you know that you know that God loves you you know that you know that you know that all things are possible for you in God there has to be that contentment in knowing that we can draw from that and expect great things when great things are needed to come forth. Mm-hmm. See, you, you know that God will, will bless you without diminishing mm-hmm. the blessing at all. Mm-hmm. He will bless you immeasurably because of his great love for you. Mm-hmm. And your decision to dwell in that. Your decision to make that your life and your contentment. Your decision to just whatever God tells you to do, you do it. And you're content doing it. But God, suppose I never get married. Well, suppose you don't get married. What are we going to do then? Are we going to kill each other? Are we going to have a fit? Are we going to... Huh? Ask married people how they feel about marriage. God, is it ever going to get better? God, when am I going to get... God, when is she going to ever start? God, when is he going to ever start? See, everybody got their petitions and everybody got their pleas from the, before the altar. And very few people can just be content. Huh? Be content with the treasure that's inside of each and every one of us. Because that seed will grow, folks. That seed will produce. That seed will convince that stubborn, adamant lump of clay you married to. Huh? To do the very thing you've been dying to have him do. God will just snap his mind right and make him do it one day. 
Amen. Just to see what you're going to do. Amen. Be careful when you get what you want from God. Amen. Be careful how you respond. Because he's looking for thanksgiving out of us. When many times all he gets is complaint. Why? Because we refuse to live in the fruit that's within us. We refuse to live in the, the, the output of that seed that he's already put in us. It's never enough. Yeah. Never what we want. Yeah. Never good enough for us. Yeah. There's always We always got to have something else. Why? Because we so live in the carnality of humanity. Mm-hmm. We have a hard time tapping into the spirit Mm-hmm. And see, the New Ager is jealous of us because this is what they want. They want that tree that comes up with nothing but good fruit and don't know how to tap into it. They look at us as hypocrites mm-hmm. and liars because we say we have it, but yet we have so much yeah. of what they have. Mm-hmm. God wants us. To live in abundance, folks. Mm-hmm. But we got to learn how to pull that out of us. That bumper crop that will come and so overwhelm everything that's not right in your life. Mm-hmm. That you look at it finally and you say, you know what? God really does mean it when he says he loves it. He really does have me in the center and the palm of his hand. He really does treasure me and value me. He really, really does. Mm-hmm. And see, we don't get that until we allow it to emanate from outside of us we feed that seed that's within you and that seed feeds you and you live a spiritual life you don't have to live a carnal life anymore waiting on some some little acorn to drop so you can get happy about it you understand what I'm saying it's foolishness folks that's right Honey, Esau sold his birthright for a morsel of food. Come on now. It's not that hard to imagine. But God wants us to reap bountifully. But we got to know what the right harvest is. we got to know what we're seeking, folks. Or we will yet be discouraged. We will yet be disappointed. We will yet listen to that voice that comes from the enemy that says, Look at you. you I, I told you. <laughs> Huh? Listen to that all day long, man. You will be crazy. You understand what I'm saying? But sometimes we have no better understanding of the treasure that lives within us than to sit up and listen to that. And let that form our opinions. Let it guide our decisions. Let it guide our lives. Let it run our lives. And here's a little demon of lack running around you when you got all this goodness and fruit to draw from. He gets you focused on one little thing that you wish was different in your life. And once you start running that, he'll find you something else that ain't right in your life. It gets a twin. Then you got triplets down the road. And then all of a sudden you hate your life and you begin to hate yourself and you hate everybody around you. Believe God for more. 
believe him for abundance folks because truthfully we need it we need it inside of us we need that treasure that he's put in earth and vessels because then people will be able to see that God has done something in us and we'll be able to share that seed and bring it out so that others can get the fruit of it and they can lodge in it and they can get hope from it and they can share in that that's the true riches in God this other stuff folks um, there's too many of us locked into nonsense about life and we're bypassing the real life that Christ has for us we don't count it as being important we don't count it as being the principal thing we don't count it as being the number one thing in our lives because he you know what years ago and I'll share this with you I was I was always the type of person when I was a kid I wanted more and I don't know too many kids that aren't like that everybody dreams everybody wants everybody and I, I just realized this not too long ago and God showed it to me I used to always want fine things you know if if I had jewelry it had to be gold I didn't want that's why I don't really wear costume jewelry I never got used to it it, it just wasn't a desire nothing, there's nothing wrong with it now I really appreciate people who would take the time to match them colors up and buy all them different bracelets and earrings to match I mean but that ain't that's not me and I you know I just it's just not but but it always had to be something of finer quality and I can look back and I within three years of being saved God had given me diamonds and furs things I wanted and he said you know why I did that he said I got that out of your system when you were young in me so you wouldn't spend your life as a preacher wishing you had things that, that you felt you couldn't get anymore he said I gave it to you and got it out of the way and got it out of your system so you wouldn't be in front of people craving things and I look at that now and I thank God for it because I'm not on television craving things I'm not on television telling people send me fish so you can have something too and I take it and I buy things with it you understand me be thankful when God cures you of your desire and your lust for things so then you can spend your time valuing real things I made a decision years ago in this ministry that everybody would know they were loved by God that's why when you have a birthday I send you a card you don't like it because it don't come on your birthday but you get a card I'm doing the best I can do with you know a list of 12 names in one month huh I don't care if you don't like it or not I'm doing what God told me to do if you can't pick up that you're loved from that that's your problem I make sure that on Christmas everybody gets a Christmas Mother's Day everybody mother or not you're a potential mother by faith or whatever you are you got seeds in your body somewhere you know you're loved and appreciated because of your mothering ability you got me you know real mother not real mother <laughs> you know, so I said I'm giving up on the whole argument I just everybody that's mother potential you get something we appreciate you love you whatever you know you, you put the interpretation when we have conferences everybody stays in the same hotel get the same food get the same we don't have any big people I don't have big people around me and little people that got to pay their way in 
That's not God as far as I can see. It might be some man's tradition of what they think God is, but that ain't God. When you get to heaven, you walk on the same streets I walk on. You'll have a house to live in just like I have one. We'll all have the same everything from God based on what we believe God to to do for us when we were here on earth. So let's not play the dumb things here. And I can do that because I'm not trying to get everything for myself. God cured me of things. He'll keep things in your life. I had a car I can't get rid of. It was a crime scene a month ago. A deer walked in front of my car. The grill is still in the garage. It got hair stuck all, deer hair stuck all in it. They fixed it up better than new. Somebody, when years ago, somebody had, I left it, I took it over to somebody to fix it. And somebody tried to take that emblem, you know, that laurel wreath on the front of his peace sign. Whatever. Tried to take it and broke it in half. And they looked for about six months and could never find a replacement for it. So when they, you know, the deer damage, crime scene, there was no blood though. So we we don't even know that the deer, deer probably is alive somewhere. Anyway. (laughs) Whatever. Whatever. But uh, the the hood was bent, so he had to order me another one. Guess what it came with? The emblem. It was intact. Nothing missing, nothing broken. You understand what I'm saying? Years ago, God will bring things. And it's just God's way of saying, I remember. I heard you pray. I saved it for you. I knew what was going to come, and I knew when you were going to get it. And I want you to know I'm in your life all the time. Everything. Everything. There is such treasure inside of us, folks. Don't waste your time coveting. Don't waste your time wishing you were either somebody else, a smaller version of you, the cuteness that you have. You, you understand what I'm saying. We can pick ourselves apart. You know, I like this eye, but not that one. You understand what I'm saying? If I had more lashes on this one, it would look like that. You know what I'm saying? Stupid stuff. Picking out your cuteness and trying to put it together and make it <laughs> look like Picasso. You know what I'm saying? Well, here's a little drawing. But let's not waste the treasure that's in us in carnal thinking let the enemy rob from you what God has for you from the foundation of the earth he prepared what you are who you are your impact on humanity you know which is a whole nother subject People see themselves through the eyes of a television screen too much. And we want to be something other than what God's ordained for us to be. Sometimes you'll do better if you're never on television. You understand what I'm saying? Some of the people who are on there sit up there and pick themselves apart. You understand what I'm saying? They're just not satisfied either. But I'm telling you, if you can value 
when God is placed on the inside of you you're the most worthwhile person that is in this earth because your focus is right your values are right your mind is right your relationship to God is right when you value what he values the way he values it and allow yourself the contentment of not having to strive for anything desire anything want anything but let yourself enjoy what God's placed in your life let yourself enjoy the freedom that you have if you're a single person you're free to make your own decisions married you got a chain around your ankle and a ball on the end of that huh see with single people six o'clock is one thing and to marry people is something totally different you understand what I'm saying even the time is different depending upon your, your marital status if you're married enjoy your marriage don't want to make the spouse over you may get what you make one day which is a mess because anybody who wants to do that is messed up already you understand what I'm saying and so let us value what God values when you step out of it you don't really know what you're doing but when you step into that God will be with you and he'll show you how valuable you are very valuable to God extremely valuable to God and you need to know that and that needs to be sufficient for you and then everything else is an add-on that bumper crop will come from what you have on the inside of you where you'll just have something happen to you all of a sudden you'll say God there you go again you did it you blew my mind <laughs> you know you know the, the emblem on the car after 10 years you know it's a bumper crop it's a mind blowing thing because I didn't ask him I didn't expect it had long since forgotten about praying for it and desiring it and here it shows up in my life boom just like that and God has a message in that for you this is what's important in life folks that you conform to the image of Christ he didn't need it anything he didn't need this world's goods he didn't need anything from the princes of this world he had everything that he needed in his relationship with the father and that was more than sufficient to get him through everything that he had to face while he was here on earth so he's our example folks he's our example believe God for abundance and it's in you already it'll shock you once you focus on the inward how easily the outward will conform to that because he wants you to have that too amen father in heaven we thank you for allowing us the opportunity to get into your heart and your mind understand you understand what you have for us understand the blessing that's there for us with what you have given us this treasure in earthen vessels Father, we thank you that we are our own bumper crop. Father, we can call forth and desire good things. We can desire abundance in all things. Not focusing on one particular thing. Thank you, Jesus. Now, the Lord is saying this, that that the enemy will plant seeds in people's minds. It's like one thing, if they get this one thing, they will be so happy and so satisfied. And the Lord is saying that that's that's a good desire, but sometimes the enemy gets in there and turns it not into a healthy desire, but into a lust and into a worry and into a bother for you. And the Lord is saying he's removing bothers from the minds of his people. He says, you know what? He says, I know you struggle with it. I know it's hard for you. 
to keep it separated the way it's supposed to be separated. He said, but I am delivering you from that demon that needles you about it and wants to harass you about it as though it's your responsibility to bring it to pass. And the Lord is saying, it's my job to make it happen. If you could make it happen, you wouldn't need me. And I want you to need me. And so I am choosing the day, the time, and the hour where I will bring it to pass. All you have to do is show me you trust me, show me you continue to believe me, and show me that you love me by obeying me and doing what I command you to do, says the Spirit of God. And don't let the devil bother you with small things. Bother you with small things. Bother you with small things. These are small things, says the Spirit of God. They're small things. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Well, Howard, why don't you put some music on? You know, I just feel like there's some some things that God wants us to be delivered of today and that's this endless harassment sometimes it's things of your past sometimes it's things it's just something that you it's like a little little uh, bump in your, your under your rug that you seem to always trip over it's just always there and even though you clean house and you straighten up and you do what you it's hard to beat that lump out of the rug the enemy always throws it out there to trip you up and make you feel insecure, make you feel inadequate, make you feel that you're not doing what's right before God. Something's wrong somewhere is what, what it keeps screaming at you. And God wants you delivered of that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't, why don't we, everybody, bow your heads. Everybody, bow your heads, don't look up. Because God really wants to get this off of people. And sometimes if you're too open, everybody who's in the kitchen, you come in here and sit. Sit at a table and bow your heads. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I want you guys to shut the cameras off for a minute or point them away from the people. And I'm just going to go and keep your heads down. Everybody put your heads down. I don't want anybody looking up. This is a private moment between God and people who really want to get rid of this harassment of the enemy. It makes you feel like something's not right somewhere. You're not doing something right. Thank you, Jesus. They coming out, Noah? Huh? Okay. All right. Well, that's good. Okay. I'm on the side of the table where the table where Chuck is. Anybody that needs me to touch you, get rid of this thing, slip your hand up and I'll do it. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Just Chuck's table. People in the middle, put your hands down. Your side of the table. Go in Jesus' name. Loose them. Let them go. Let them go. This is your moment between you and God. Let them go. Thank you, Lord. Let them go. Harass no more in the name of Jesus. And you're not going to dwell on that. Harass no more in Jesus' name. You're not going to dwell on it. The enemy's going to try and say something. You tell him to shut up in Jesus' name and you go on about your business. That's not legitimate. Okay, anybody in the middle aisle, middle table, 
in Jesus' name. If it harasses you, you tell him it's not from God, it's not you. But this business of him needling you, that's over. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Lean over, sweetie. Praise God. Go in Jesus' name. Go in the name of Jesus. No more inadequacy. Go in Jesus' name. You're not doing anything wrong. Go in Jesus' name. Go in the name of Jesus. Go in Jesus' name. Go in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Go in the name of Jesus. Now sometimes the devil will turn up the volume on you. You ever had a time where it seems to scream at you more than it used to? Sometimes you can shut it off yourself and not think that way, but then it comes back and it comes back with a vengeance. Well, that's going to stop. Wickedness, I break your power in the name of Jesus. Okay, the last row over here, anybody, put your hand up in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Go, go. In the name of Jesus. You don't belong here. Go. In Jesus' name. Go. In the name of Jesus. You don't belong here. 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 Go. In Jesus' name. Go. In Jesus' name. Go. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Go. In Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Go in Jesus' name. Don't belong here in Jesus' name. Now, most of you thought you were the only one. I can tell you, 80% of people had their hands up at least. So this is something where the enemy uses to discourage believers from going forward. He sees you going forward and he wants to steal your confidence like it's not God that's telling you to do what you're doing. And it is God. It is God. And he is using you. And he does love you. And he does want you to continue to do what you do for his glory. He wants you to continue and not stop. And not stop. No, he does it to everybody. I laid hands on myself. The devil is a liar and we'll do something about it. And we'll resist him. He has to flee. When we use the authority of the name of Jesus, he must flee. He must flee. this generational guilt in Jesus name I just curse it at the root in the name of Jesus in Jesus name thank you Jesus 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And parents, you are forgiven. You understand me? You are forgiven. Don't assume any guilt for anything your children do. It's not your responsibility to feel guilty for anything. You pray for them. You help them. You do things going forward. You can't do anything about the past. But you are forgiven. The good and the bad. And sometimes your child does something good. You feel so proud. And then three seconds later the devil's whooping you up. But yeah, but look at this one over here. Huh? It's the truth. Don't listen to them either way. Just thank God for getting them where they've gotten to and expect better. Keep expecting more. Keep expecting more. Amen. Keep looking to the future. Because their future is brighter every single day that you believe God for it. Amen. Let's not dwell anywhere. Let's keep moving forward. There's so much for them to do. So much for their generation to accomplish in God. They need your prayers and they need your faith to propel them forward so they can conquer for the Lord. Time for them to put their feet on the necks of their enemies and move on in God. Amen. They can't do it with this generational guilt hanging over the situation. If you let that fruit of the Spirit dwell over them, maintain them, maintain your attitude toward them, your prayers. Let that fruit sustain your prayers, goodness, the love and the peace, the righteousness of the Holy Spirit. That permeates your, your prayers for them. Then everything will work out according to God's plan. Just keep releasing that over their lives. Keep releasing that, that seed, the spirit of that seed that's in you. Release that over them. Thank you, Jesus. I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God's prepared for them and their seed. We thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you that Christ the healer has been in this place today. That Christ, the the one who preaches the truth, who is the way, the truth, and the life, has been in this place today. I thank you, Lord, for the deposit of life on everybody here. I thank you for the tree of righteousness that we can believe for a bumper crop because of he who dwells in us. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that righteousness will take us over every hurdle. It was like Jacob, who had been just a, a, a con man all his life. One day he met you and he said, my righteousness is sweet for you. He quit conning people and started depending upon you, Lord. And I thank you for showing us that. That we are that person, Lord. That our righteousness speaks for us. We have to give you strife with people about it. It speaks for us. And we thank you for that. We bless you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you. Thank you. 
thank you. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. God is so wonderful. Peace with God is wonderful. Just don't have any concerns and any fears and any worries, any problems. We just believe God. Trust in His wisdom, His goodness. We don't have to know the answers to everything. But trusting Him is everything. It's everything. We thank You. Bless you, Jesus.
Doesn't it feel good to beat up on the devil for a change? <laughs> Amen. God wants to do so much for us, folks, and in us. And he's got to do it in us before he can do it for us. So if faith has to be there and righteousness has to be there. But if we cooperate with God, he'll give us everything and then some. Amen. So much more he has in store for us. So praise God. Amen. So, Ms. Nola, did you have something you want to do? I'm going to turn things over to you for the announcements and such. Praise the Lord. Amen. Is it on now? Okay, good. Yeah, let's give the Lord one more hand clap. That was totally awesome. Amen. Amen, amen. Okay, I just want to remind everyone that our lunch was $9 today if you have not yet paid. Uh, we are selling waters in the kitchen. Miss Shannon is, yeah, Miss uh, Shannon is selling waters for 50 cents. Just a reminder, they're not free. And uh, next, amen. <laughs> amen. Next month is our Toledo Healing School and our Miracle Service. Amen. Amen. Where is, is, where is Rachel sleep? Okay. Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> would you help me answer? Oh, Siobhan is here. So next month is our, Cleveland, our Toledo Healing School and Miracle Service. So please invite a friend or two or three or four. Please take these. This is your seed to go and give away and to invite someone to come out for healing school. And so don't just stuff them in your Bibles, but, uh, you know, give it out because someone is crying out for a miracle. You are the answer to someone's prayer. And so just uh, give these away and invite someone to come out. Don't forget to put things on the altar and take back home to those who are not able to make it. Amen. So I just said next month is also June. It is Pastor Barb's birthday. 